We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, I'm Andy Herman of the Pack of Day Podcast. I'm here to tell you about TickPick. TickPick should be your very first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Packaday Podcast and the Blue Wire Network. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Packaday Podcast. Hello. And welcome in to the Wednesday edition of the Pack a Day podcast. I am your host, co-host today, Dusty Evely. With me is no Steve Perhatch, unfortunately, but Sarah Kelleher is here. Sarah, how are you? What's up? Yep, no Steve, but we carry on and we keep going. But I'm pretty good. I'm really busy with work. But other than that, um, it's been an interesting couple of weeks here. I mean, I, I guess it's really only been a week since we've talked, but it feels like weeks and months and years have gone by since then, at least in the Packers universe. So excited to talk with you about it because so pretty much after we recorded our podcast last week, everything blew up. Nothing, Anything that we said, throw it in the trash. It didn't matter because it Everything changed on Wednesday, so excited to be back and hopefully preview the game a little bit um, and it actually be relevant this time. So that would be good. Yeah, that was one of those things uh, on on Wednesday. By the time the podcast dropped, it was like, oh, none of this is relevant at all anymore. Yeah. Like, all of this is just thought that they did an emergency podcast. Uh, I think it was, it was Dan Kotnick and I, I I'm blanking on the other person. Uh, there was two people that got together, did an emergency podcast that was like way more relevant than what we had done the night before. Uh, so good on them for doing that. But yeah, it was, uh, it's been wild. I feel like today has been two years in and of itself, uh, just with different stuff going on. So, uh, so yeah, let's, uh, let's get into a little bit, Sarah. Um, let's, let's start with, uh, I guess we'll recap. We'll talk about, uh, we'll talk about last week's game. This, there's a question we're not going to get to in the questions, but our good friend, uh, Don DeQuisto, who, if you have not checked out her and Matt Pickett's podcast that, Hey, we like your pod, you should, you should do that. Uh, Don asked us for a question. Uh, what was the best thing about Love's debut on Sunday? So we're going to talk a little bit about the game, but I figured we'd start there. So Sarah, for you, from the stuff we saw from Love this past weekend, uh, what was your what was the best thing you saw? Yeah, I mean, we didn't get to see a lot. Unfortunately, it was a bit of a weird game. He was under pressure pretty much constantly. Um, but something that I really liked that I saw from him was that he seemed pretty comfortable. He didn't panic. 
Um, you know, he moved around in the pocket a little bit. Um, even, you know, we'll talk about McAfee in a little bit, but um, Aaron Rodgers said on Tuesday's show that he told Jordan, you know, use your legs and that he thought he escaped a few sacks uh, where Rodgers said I would have been sacked for sure. And he trusted his feet. He trusted his instincts. So I saw a little bit of that, which was great. And, you know, it was his first NFL start in one of the toughest stadiums to play in the NFL. He found out, you know, four days before the game that he was going to be a starter. So for him to remain pretty calm and focused and be able to have some poise like that was pretty impressive from a guy who's, you know, never played in a game in the NFL. So that was something that I liked. I know, you know, a lot of people had a lot to say about his performance, but to me, and I tweeted this too, he he looked like a quarterback that was playing in his first NFL game. And I know people will say, well, he had a year and a half to sit behind Rodgers, but it's different. I mean, you saw in week one, how sluggish the Packers looked, how much reps matter and game reps matter. Um, and we saw it. They were a little off and it's taken, you know, a few weeks for them to really um, hit their stride on offense. And, you know, Jordan Love's not going to come in and just after waiting for a year and a half and just be the best player you've ever seen and blow your mind. So I wasn't necessarily shocked at his performance either. That was kind of what I was expecting. Would I like to see a little bit more? Sure. Uh, we all would have, but um, there were definitely some promising things there and there were some things of concern as well, but it's hard to, you know, completely judge his whole career and say the Packers future is doomed when you've seen a guy play one time um, and under some very strange circumstances too. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I kind of had that same thing written down. He was under pressure a lot. And it was definitely one of those, he started getting pressured. And then we, I mean, we know who Steve Spagnuolo is. Like we've been talked about it uh, last week. Uh, you know, we thought Rogers was, was potentially starting, I believe when we recorded last week. And, uh, and that was kind of a, you know, what Spagnuolo is going to do. There's, there's areas you can attack, uh, but he's going to bring pressure. I mean, he just smelled blood in the water. This is insane to me. So I looked this up on PFF. Uh, they blitzed Jordan Love on 53.8% of his dropbacks. Crazy. Uh, he was under pressure 48.7% of the time. And so, like, he didn't he didn't do it, especially the second half. It was just blood in the water, man. It was just a feeding frenzy, and they're just running stunts and twists at Royce Newman. He's just getting roasted. But, like, I mean, that was the biggest thing I wrote down. I have a couple things, uh, a couple big takeaways. The biggest thing that I wrote down is, like, he never seemed flustered, man. Like, he was getting – there was times that he's the back of – not even, like, a seven-step. He's He hits his back foot of a five-step drop he's got to bail because there's someone in his face immediately. There's someone breaking contain off the edge. Uh, and you know, that sometimes his eyes dropped a little bit. Uh, but for the most part, he was still kind of, he was looking to make a play and he never, he never panicked in that next play. It didn't matter. His, his eyes, you usually get, you know, a young quarterback. If you get, <laughs> if you're hit and you're pressured that much, you get a little skittish and your eyes start dropping. You're watching the rush before doing that. And I think there was, there was one instance where I saw him do that. But for the most part, he kept his eyes downfield, man. Like he didn't, he didn't seem like any of that affected him. Um, I think he he went through his reads well. I think there's maybe a, a couple things that, not necessarily he missed, but I think there's an over reliance on on Devonte on a couple things that maybe there was a chance mm-hmm. for a bigger play if he didn't look at Devonte, you know, first or or second while the thing's developing. Like if he kind of locked on a little bit. Like I think there was some of that stuff. But that's I think that's to be expected when you've got a number one wide receiver like Devonte and a guy making his first start. Hey. Maybe I can get a, a good win over here. So I think overall, yeah, I mean, there was, there was shakiness, you know, obviously some of the protection stuff and just just little things like that. And accuracy was a little off, which we kind of knew. But he never got flustered. And as the game went on, especially in the fourth quarter, like he looked 
he looked calm, comfortable, and control, and he, he, he turned in a really nice drive. Turned in a couple nice drives, really. I mean, special teams kind of killed them a little bit on that Yeah, drive. exactly. I mean, I mean, if special teams does their job, the Packers essentially win that game 13-10. to 10. Um, You know, they missed two field goals, and then they gave up basically three free points after the muffed punt there. So, you know, it was, if you think about it that way, it wasn't doomsday like a lot of people online were declaring for the Packers. Yeah. Yeah. And love, regardless, love's, love would have looked the same. But yeah, lo- love looking like that and them getting a win uh, is, is kind of different as well. So yeah, I think overall, I think love looked a little raw, but like certainly I think showed reasons for optimism, showed the why there's reasons for optimism. And the defense looked. Tremendous. Again, I mean, they turned in a tremendous performance. I mean, Chris Barnes had two to three eye-popping plays alone, like just by himself. Uh, they, everyone was flying around. Savage had a tremendous game. Um, so it was, you know, some good takeaways. I, I don't know about you, Sarah. I, I went into that game being like, I, I don't care if they win or lose. Like, I'm, I'm curious to see how Jordan Love looks. And they lost. And, like, it kind of sucked because it was an ugly game. But I was like, okay, that was, that's, that's fine. Uh, did you feel the same way coming out of that? Absolutely. My boyfriend and I watched the game together and all day we just kind of sat there, you know, watching the other games and we're like, well, it is what it is. It's not a division game. You know, if it's going to, if the Packers are going to drop a game, this would be the one, um, you know, not going to affect the division. Um, And then hopefully they get Rodgers back, you know, in against some of the NFC teams here coming up. Um, And it was really what, what you said, Dusty, just, kind of anxious to see love and what was going to happen. And then, you know, the game was really messy is I think a good word Mm -hmm. for it. Um, And when it finished, I, you know, waited a second before I started my recap and just kind of sat there and said, okay, on to the next one. (laughs) You know, nothing crazy. I was floored with the defense and so happy with how they played. And that was for sure the highlight. And then other than that, it was just kind of like, okay, we're good. We can, we can forget about that one besides how the defense played and move on. Kind of a collective kind of shrug of the shoulders. Like, yeah, that, yeah. That, yeah. All right. yeah. that's fine. Uh, I felt almost like a preseason game by the time I was done. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, to, to less, uh, to less fun news that we just talked about an ugly loss. Uh, so, but, but this is less fun. Uh, the COVID-19 sanctions were handed down. Uh, Rob Demosky reported this. The Packers and Rogers were fined for the COVID-19 protocol violations. The Packers were fined $300,000 as an organization. Uh, and that was for not enforcing the uh, wearing masks in news conferences and the team not reporting the Halloween party. And then Rogers and Lazard were separately fined $14,650 for the Halloween party, because even though it was away from the facility, they still had more than three people there, uh, which which for unvaccinated folks, that is outside the bounds there. So they got those fines as well. Um, they did say they reviewed the tape from the facility. They looked at a bunch of tape and they said out, there was a few isolated incidents for the most part, they said there was no evidence of, of widespread uh, non-compliance in terms of wearing masks for unvaccinated people. And so they kind of, they skated by on that, which was nice. And then they, they also said, you know, wag their finger, uh, you know, future violations, you know, we'll, we'll keep an eye on you. Future violations are going to potentially increase discipline, maybe loss of a draft pick, stuff like that. So, I mean, relatively speaking, uh, I think the Packers got off pretty well here. You know, you know, obviously we have no idea 
uh, what what really went on there. Or the NFL sometimes gets a little wonky with with how they do some of this stuff. But given how Rogers had talked, given how Lafleur had talked, like I I think it's not shocking to find that it sounds like they followed the vast majority of the mandates there. So this feels somewhat like a slap on the wrist. Three three hundred thousand to an organization's nothing, and fourteen thousand a piece for Rogers and Lazard doesn't mean a whole lot. Uh, but what did you think uh, when these came down, Sarah? My friend messaged me um, the news right when it happened. And my exact response was, that's a little for a lot. I was expecting a lot worse. Like you said, Mm $300,000 for the Packers is pocket change. That's nothing, essentially. Um, And I was really worried about this. I thought the Packers could potentially lose draft picks. We saw that last year with a couple of teams. Um, And... That was really concerning. And we saw every single indoor presser. Rogers was not wearing a mask. And you're supposed to wear, if you're unvaccinated, you're supposed to wear a mask indoors at all times. Um, So I was really worried that um, something bad was going to happen. I saw pretty quickly that a few NFL sources said that, you know, suspension for Rogers was off the table and they were just looking at fines. But you never know. It's the NFL. Like you said, sometimes they can be a little wonky with um things like that so i was relieved i guess you could say um that it wasn't worse um and that it's just some fines uh for the team and for a few of the guys yeah i'm curious to see if any of those fines then reach some of the other teams as well i know uh right after they started the investigation i think kirk cousins first press conference indoors he was wearing a mask when he's not been all season Wentz was kind of the same way so it's kind of like this Listen, we're fine the Packers. I don't think anyone else is getting fined. And, and to be perfectly clear, I don't. That's fine with me. Like, I, I and talking, you know, I think uh, Ross Oglum and, and a couple other people said, like, listen, we were in that room with Rogers, and, you know, he's like, oh, all of us have to be masked and vaxxed to be in there. And it's a big enough room. Ross said, like, I, you know, I never really felt like I was in danger of being affected there. So it's not really, you know, in his mind, some of the people covering that, it's not that big of a deal. Um, but I, I don't think anyone else is going to be fine, but it certainly seems like this is going to be enforced going forward uh, when they've been a little lax on it so far. So definitely. And I saw that they updated uh, the NFL updated their COVID policy where it mm-hmm. explicitly states masks must be worn indoors at all times for players, you know, staff coaches that are unvaccinated. So pretty much right after the news broke that the Packers were fined and that Rogers and Lazard were fined. Uh, then the news broke that, they updated the policies. So yeah, this is a, it's a warning for pretty much everyone else in the league. Um, and we'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, uh, on to slightly brighter news, Sarah, are you familiar with uh, Odell Beckham Jr.? He is a, he's a football player in this league. Um, he had major issues in Cleveland. Um, his, his father, his father did not splice together video, but his father posted video. You brought this up last week of all the times that he was open and Baker Mayfield missed him. And the Browns just basically said, all right, we're done here. So they released him. He has gone through waivers. And as of yesterday, I think at 4 p.m., OBJ no longer affiliated with any team. And he has passed through waivers and he's free to sign to with whoever for whatever he wants. The initial report was uh, from Jordan Schultz that he's prioritized the Packers as the list of teams. And since then, some other teams have come out. Saints, Patriots, Chiefs. So What's your gut feeling, Sarah, on on OBJ overall and if this is his interest in the Packers is real or if this is one of those things we've seen a thousand times where I'm interested in the Packers and it's it's a way to kind of drive up prices for somewhere else. I'll allow what we saw with JJ Watt this past year. So 
is the interest real? I think so. Why wouldn't it be? I mean, you're a wide receiver and you have the opportunity to be on a really good team with a really good quarterback. I could see why he would consider that and why he'd want to be a part of the wide receiver group. But then there's also, you know, the other side of it where a lot of people think that, hey, Rodgers is leaving after this year. Um, And I don't know if Odell... Uh, would want to come for one year um, if he would be, you know, he or if he would be in Green Bay for a few years. So that's probably something he's considering too. Uh, my gut feeling is that the Packers will probably try to offer and it'll get turned down because it won't be enough. And then he'll go somewhere else and it'll, everyone will throw a fit and be upset and, be mad about it. If you would have asked me three months ago, should the Packers sign Odell? Should they go after him? I would have said no. They they don't need to do that. That's a lot of chaos, drama that could happen. And at this point, if they can make it happen, I'm like, sure, why not? This season (laughs) has already been a roller coaster so much drama, so much chaos. Why not just throw Odell into the mix and make it happen? And hey, I know he didn't do well in Cleveland, but he's a good receiver. And I think on the right team with the right system, he could be really good, maybe with the Packers. So why not? Why the hell not? At this point, I'm just rooting for madness and um, let's do it. So I would be happy if they could agree on something if they could pull it off. Do I think that's going to happen? No, because this is the Green Bay Packers and we know how they are in situations like this. Yeah. And I, I'd, I'd be all for it, man. I, I, I love him. I know there's been diva and drama queen and all that stuff. He, He hasn't done a whole lot in Cleveland and we've not really heard a peep out of him until this year. Like I think, you know, if he's going to erupt, maybe it takes a little while to erupt. But you, you see a guy with his – he's not the player he was, but he still has a ton of talent. I think his talent just didn't align with what the Browns do. He is his – one of the – like one of his greatest assets that he can bring to a team is his slant game. Man, like he can take a slant and then he just erases angles and he can just go. He can turn a six-yard slant into a 75-yard touchdown uh, in a way that very few guys that have played can. And – Baker Mayfield doesn't throw slants, man, because he's like 5'8 and doesn't like to do that because he can't really see them over the middle of the field. And that's not a knock on Baker Mayfield. That's just that's kind of his game. That's who he is. Uh, and so I think if you you pair him up with Rodgers uh, for, you know, eight games, more than that, if if we're talking, you know, a Super Bowl run, uh, I think he'd be motivated to do that. I reached out to um, to a friend of mine that covers the Browns, uh, Jake Burns, and he said, you know, as far as a blocker, because that's one of the knocks, well, he's, he's a diva wide receiver. Well, Jake said he's he's a good he's a willing blocker, not necessarily a great blocker. But when he's engaged and he's in there, like say if he's on a winning team and the and the team is doing well and he's getting you know a handful of targets and feels like he's contributing, he's a willing blocker and a, and a pretty good one in in run game and you know screen game and all the stuff like that. So I would be all on board for OBJ. I like I like the receiver room where it is. I like the the mix of guys they have there. But I think if you have a chance to add a guy like OBJ and the skill set that he can bring, you absolutely do that. So. I am totally on board. And like you said, it's been, even if it gets a little weird, man, this whole off season and season has been weird anyway. So just, just do that. Let's just, let's, let's amp it up. Let's, let's amp it up as much as we can. Uh, all right, Sarah. Uh, <laughs> so it's kind of a question mark for me coming into, uh, you know, yesterday after, after what happened last week, you know, when Rogers kind of went on McAfee in a surprise appearance, 
Andy's in the COVID protocol, you know, we didn't really know how he was feeling. It's not like he was feeling pretty well. I didn't know if he was going to do McAfee. And then he did McAfee yesterday. So I did not get a chance to catch any of it. Sarah, what, uh, what, what happened yesterday on Fat McAfee? Um, yes. So this was the regularly scheduled Pat McAfee show. So much different than what we experienced last Friday. Um, but it was a little bit shorter. Um, I'm sure, you know, Rogers was probably trying to rest up a little bit, but, um, you know, first things first, he said he's feeling really good, um, which was great. You know, that's the, if for the Packers and for him, that's the number one priority is for him to get healthy and for him to feel better. Um, so he said he's feeling really good that he should be on track. He can return to the facility on Saturday, the day before the game. Um, and he doesn't have to test negative or anything. He just, he can go back. He has to clear, um, a few tests specifically, it, it seemed like with the heart, um, since COVID has been linked um, to some heart problems, they want to make sure that everything is okay there before, you know, they let him go play in a football game. Um, but as long as that's okay, it seems like he's going to play on Sunday, which is great news. You know, we've, we saw last year with AJ Dillon that he had some long and lasting lingering effects of COVID and it put him out for a few weeks. So it's good news that Roger Rogers, Roger. I don't know what just happened there. It's good news that Rogers is uh, feeling better and looks like he'll be playing for the Packers on Sunday. He also, right off the bat, after he talked about you know how he's feeling, addressed the Friday episode of Pat of Pat McAfee show, um, where he shared his reasons why he chose not to get the vaccine, and you know we, we don't need to recap it all. You guys that are listening already know what happened. Um, but he said he, he takes full responsibility um, for what he said. He knows and acknowledged that he's a role model for a lot of people. And he knows that his words carry weight. Um, and if he misled anyone, um, he takes full responsibility for that and is sorry. But that he also stands by his decision and uh, the reasonings behind his decision there, too. Um, you know, he said everyone's entitled to your opinion um, in typical Rogers fashion, you know, send love, not hate, um, that kind of thing. Um, and a main thing that's been a a lot of headlines in the last 24 hours is he said, you know, I'm not, I'm an athlete. I'm not an activist. So I'm going to get back to doing what I do best. And that's playing ball. Um, so that was kind of the end of that discussion. And then we finally talked about football, which was great. (laughs) And they asked him about the game, if he watched the game, which, of course, he did. He said this was actually only the third time he's ever watched the game from home. Uh, first time was when he had surgery on his foot uh, many years back. Um, second was the collarbone, you know, Anthony Barr. Everybody remembers that. And then uh, the third was this past Sunday. And he was, said he was really proud of the guys and uh, specifically, you know, called out the defense and Jordan Love. I had to laugh because he said special teams was not special, which, yes, Aaron, you were 100% correct about that one. Um, But he said the organization throughout, um, you know, he said it's hard to watch games at home, to not be able to play. Um, He mentioned a few times that the TV angles are so tight that it's hard for him to see what's happening. And that for him as a quarterback, you know, he's always looking around and seeing things and he can't do that when he watches it from home. 
Um, and he mentioned the organization has been super supportive of, of him um, at home and his quarantine COVID bubble. He mentioned he's not in LA getting coffee like um, we saw on social media <laughs> that um, some magazine thought this poor random guy who just went on his morning coffee run was Aaron Rodgers. Um, but it's good to know that the organization has been supportive and great uh, to Rogers throughout his recovery process. Specifically about love, he said, I'm really proud of them. He uh, he hung in there. I talked about before how uh, Rogers told him, you know, trust your feet. Um, that'll get you out of some sticky situations. And it did. He also talked about A.J. Dillon a little bit and how his pass catching has really improved and that he's just a great kid, great teammate, great locker room guy, which was awesome. I think from the second A.J. Dillon was drafted, everybody that's a Packers fan fell in love with that guy. Um, you know, now he's on he does cheese head every week and he's just super nice. So it's great uh, to kind of see not only is he a good person off the field, um, but now on the field, he's able to make such a big impact for the Packers. Um at the very end, before they uh, segued into the uh, Aaron Rodgers book club, they t- talked about the COVID situation one more time and how um, Rodgers' comments upset a lot of people. And McAfee said, you know, you're probably never going to win another MVP again. Even if you have the best season ever, people don't like you anymore. They're not going to vote for you. And Roger said that's probably a legitimate statement. So that was very interesting. And then uh, they flashed up the Aaron Rodgers book club graphic that they do every week that has all the books. And this week, um, holding last week's book was Pete Davidson uh, dressed up as Aaron Rodgers <laughs> from SNL this past weekend. Hilarious Rogers. They the way that they put the graphic up, you could still see Rogers and AJ Hawk and everyone else's reactions. And he busted out laughing. He got a kick out of it. Um, I couldn't believe it. When I watched that, I started laughing so hard when I saw that they put Pete Davidson up there. Um, and if you've been following along with the book club, week 10 is the Daily Stoic uh, by Ryan Holiday. It's another meditation, spiritual type book. Uh, that Roger said he's actually been reading throughout his COVID-19 recovery. So that was McAfee on Tuesday this week. And um, overall, seems like the big takeaway is that Rogers is, be- is getting better and that he should be playing on Sunday. That's good to hear. That's good to hear because uh, we're, we're getting ready to talk about this next week. You know, obviously he still has to, you know, clear some of that stuff, but if he feels ready and they feel he's ready uh, to start, that that's certainly the way I know the Packers have already said that if, if he's good to go, that's that's the start of this weekend. So with that in mind, Sarah, the, the Packers are facing the Seahawks this week. Uh, old rival. But now the thing, you know, if Rodgers comes back from COVID after a week, is he going to be able to promote uh, to post a dramatic video like Russell Wilson did uh, with the healing of his finger? <laughs> You know, with the VHS filters and dramatic music and whatnot. So it uh, looks like Russell Wilson will be playing. I know that was kind of up in the air when he uh, when he ruptured the tendon in his, in his middle finger. Uh, but what are you looking for uh, this weekend against the Seahawks, Sarah? So we talked about it a little bit before um, when we are talking about A.J. Dillon, but it's A.J. Dillon in the passing game. How are they going to use him? Um, especially if Rodgers is back. Um, I don't see them just absolutely slinging it downfield. I know MBS will be back and Rodgers will be excited about that. But something he also talked about on McAfee a little bit was how 
he hasn't necessarily thrown to MVS in weeks. You know, MVS was out and he was out. And so when you don't practice together, when you have a little bit of a break like that, it can be hard to reconnect. You know, he said, we'll probably get it going again pretty quickly. Um, But that kind of sparked in my mind, oh, they might not, you know, throw it deep as much um, if that connection, you know, they haven't had the opportunity to work it through in practice. So um, especially if Rodgers, if he's still, you know, not 100%, but he's able to play at least, he might just be looking for some short passes. Who can I dish it off to? And, you know, A.J. Dillon, he had that crazy catch. I don't know how he brought that down um, this past weekend against the Chiefs. But I really am curious to see how they use him in the passing game this week, specifically because the Seahawks don't do well protecting the pass in general. And I think if you get a, you know, 200-something pound quadzilla, quad father in the mix, they're just going to be lost. They won't know what to do, you know, through week, one through six, the Seahawks just did horrible protecting um, the pass and the run game. The last couple of weeks, um, they've tightened it up a little bit, um, and they've only given up you know an average of fourteen point three points per game. But they're still giving up um, an average of two hundred and seventy three point nine passing yards per game. So I really think the Packers are going to take advantage of that. And I'm curious to see how they do that with A.J. Dillon specifically. Um, And I'm excited to continue watching that and watching it develop. And we'll see. I don't know, Dusty, if you've even heard anything about David Bakhtiari, if he'll be back um, this week or not. That's certainly something to look forward to. Um, So it'll be a good one. Packers football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Packer tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site, and the only one you'll ever need is your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. Recently, I was just able to pick up tickets to Packers Vikings in Minnesota, going to be heading west for that game, attending my first game in the new Viking Stadium. Cannot wait for that. Let me tell you, it was so incredibly easy to use TickPick. No awful service fees. I cannot recommend it enough. And the easiest way to do so is by going to TickPick.com slash Packaday today to save $10 on your first order of Packers tickets or any other tickets that you want to purchase. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's funny you bring him up because as you were talking, I was I was frantically searching in the background even before you asked that question for the thing I was going to talk about if David Bakhtiari is going to be back. I know we we've seen he return to practice. There's been hints. There's been hints that maybe he'd be coming back, uh, but I I've not seen anything official yet. I've not seen anything ruled ruled in, and that so that kind of segues nicely. We did not talk about this. That segues nicely into my point. So I'm looking at the offensive line. I mean, you know, we saw that with uh, Royce Newman was a guy who was like a preseason darling uh, that looked really, really good, man. He has been struggling real, real bad. I mean, the offensive line as a whole has not been playing great. And again, Jordan Love got got blitzed into oblivion this past weekend. But Newman's had a lot of issues with with stunts up front and the Seahawks like to run a lot of stunts up front like he's had uh, trouble IDing he's had trouble passing some of that stuff off and and if you know if <laughs> there's a couple things if Rogers is in there they're still going to stunt that stuff and if Newman's over there that's just something that is going to have to be dealt with I don't think he's suddenly going to get better in a week you know they can coach him up Stenovich we know is very good but uh, you know that's been a problem of his all season essentially and so the Seahawks are smart enough. Pete Carroll's smart enough to attack that. Uh, that, that I think they're just going to try to run games on that right side of the line and just try to get free rushers, see what they can do with with or without blitzing. So, and, and one of the big things to look at for there, the Seahawks don't blitz a lot, but they do blitz a lot if it's a young or or kind of inexperienced or mistake prone guy. So, say for example, they blitzed uh, Ben Roethlisberger like thirteen percent of the time when they played him. When they went up against Jameis Winston and Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence being a rookie and Jameis Winston being a guy who will do dumb stuff if you get pressure, they blitzed him 30% of the time. And so if Rodgers is in, I don't think they're going to blitz him, but they're going to run games on that right side of the line to try to get uh, Newman in a bind. And if Rodgers is not ready and Love has to go, they're going to blitz him. And they're going to have some of the same issues they probably had against Kansas City. They, the, the Seahawks don't have the best front. The Packers, you know, have the advantage there theoretically, but Newman is kind of a weak, weak link there. So if they can, that's something to look out for early. If they can start getting some free rushers on that right side using just stunts uh, off the right side early in the game, they're going to keep going back to that. So that's the thing I'm looking at. It's nothing, it's nothing sexy. It's nothing fun. It's just, I, I, man, I certainly hope the offensive line can hold up. Um, so that's, that's what I'm looking for. Uh, we'll talk. Before uh, we move on. Yeah. Breaking news. This is from Evan Macy. Per source, at this point in time, Odell Beckham Jr. still would prefer to sign with the Packers. However, Green Bay's front office has not been as as aggressive as others. Shocking. They Mm. do have interest, though. If they come through with a competitive offer, Beckham will likely sign with Green Bay. Let's do it. Let's make that deal. Let's uh, turn that face mask green. Um, That'd be it. That'd be amazing. Uh, yeah, that'd be. I mean, that was. I thought that was going to be a David Bakhtiari. I was not prepared for that. Let's do it. Let's get. <laughs> let's get OBJ in the building. Um, all right. So uh, let's talk prop bets. So last week the prop bet. I can't remember if it was one point five or two point five turnovers. Two point five. Two point five. Uh, Sarah, you and I both took the under on that, 
and we won. Steve took Woo! the over, and so he lost um, because he is, he is Steve is very bad at this game, um, and me and you are very very good. And so let's see what the record is now. Uh, Steve is now six and two. Sarah, you're three and five. Or no, I'm sorry, you're four and five, and I am two and seven. Uh, so I'm creeping up, creeping up. Uh, this week, our over under is going to revolve around. The rushing game. Sarah, you just mentioned how the Seahawks are bad against the pass. They also bad against the run. Uh, they're giving up. Uh, let me pull this up. The Seahawks are giving up uh, an average of 127.6 rushing yards on the ground uh, for the season. Now they have been better the past couple of weeks, but that's their average on the year. And the Packers are rushing 109.7 yards on the ground, and they've been picking that up as of late. And so what we are going to do is we're going to set the over-under at 115.5 rushing yards for the Packers. Uh, now, the Seahawks are 11th in DVOA against the rush, uh, but Arizona was 7th, and the Packers still went for 151, and that was with Rodgers under center uh, with some injuries, but still. So I'm the low man, uh, and I won this past week, uh, but I am going to go first. I'm going to fade myself again. Uh, I am going to take the over. Um, I just think even even if Rodgers plays, I feel like this is a team that I think they're they're gearing up, man. Listen, we're in November. Uh, you're starting to see A.J. Dillon get used a little more, both in the rushing and passing game. Um, Aaron Jones is doing good work. I think some of the protection issues up front, I think they're a better run-blocking team than they are pass-blocking right now. I just think right now, even with Rodgers in there, they don't care how they win. They just want to win, and they're fine just, just smashing people in the mouth. So I am going to go... I'm going to take the over on the 115 and a half. Uh, we know Steve is taking the under. Uh, so, Sarah, where do you sit? I'm also going to take the under on this one. Um, I think it's going to be a pretty balanced game, um, but that they're just going to be eager to attack um, the passing defense. And I, Rogers being back, you have to think this is the first time he's been with Devontae Adams um, in a few weeks. So he he's probably going to be pretty happy about that. And, uh, connect with him a few times. So I think it might lean a little more on the pass game than um, the run game, although it'll still be balanced. So I'm going to take the under. That's fair. All right. So I can gain another game on both of you guys or just be hopelessly <laughs> out of it for the rest of the year, which I kind of already am. So that will be good. That's all we got for here. Uh, as always, we're going to hit questions. I don't know, Sarah, if you got the questions queued up and we'll roll through some of these. Yep. All right, so our first question is from our good buddy, Matt Pickett. Uh, it is a three-part question. Um, if you were Gudikins, what would you do about special teams? A food question, how much Panda Express is the correct amount? And then optional Marvel question, which Eternals power do you wish you had? So, Dusty, I know you haven't seen Eternals yet, but I'll let you do the first two. All right, um... Uh, if I was good against, I'd do nothing about special teams. I, I, you know, you you hire coaches to let them coach. You know, he's done. Gutekunst has done some of that bottom of the roster churn. Uh, you know, if if Mo Drayton thinks he's got these guys in the right spot, uh, or you know, maybe Mo Drayton wants some other guys up there, and Lafour's telling him no. I let the coaches figure all that stuff out. Gutekunst is the executive. He's the GM. I'm a big believer in letting the people within the organization do their jobs. Um, I don't like the idea of a GM kind of telling 
any coach, you need to make sure you do this because like there's a thousand things going on that the GM just doesn't know the inter- interpersonal stuff or this guy was having a tough time with it, like just all of that stuff. So if I'm if I'm good against, I don't do anything about special teams. I just hope it gets fixed. And if it doesn't, I do something in the offseason, like maybe look for different coaches. Perhaps I like Mo Drayton, but that's I mean, that's something to kind of go for. Uh, but I don't, right now, nothing. Um, how much Panda Express is the correct amount? None. None. I've never been to Panda Express. I've been happy with the decisions I made in my life up to that point. <laughs> sure, I've left. So none. Um, and I've not seen the Eternals, but I'm familiar with the Eternals. Uh, and I've seen commercials for it. So I'm for for the movie version of the Eternals. I'm just going Icarus because he's super handsome. He's strong. He can fly and shoot lasers from his eyes. So that sounds pretty dope. I honestly don't care what anyone else's powers is. That's awesome. Really? The whole movie... I was just, if anyone's watched The Boys the entire time, all I could think about was Homelander (laughs) and how Marvel probably just called up The Boys and was like, how did you do the special effects for that? Because we're going to do it the exact same way. (laughs) But I'll go backwards, I guess, since we're already talking about the Eternals. Um, So I saw it and I think it would have to be super speed. Um, That was awesome. And I don't know if it was just because the effects were super cool and it got me really excited, but I think being super duper fast would be pretty fun. Um, How much Panda Express is the correct amount? I don't really eat Panda Express. Um, They have good fried rice. So I guess maybe just a small serving of that and then I'd move on. Um, And then if I were Gudikins, what would I do about special teams? I don't think I would do anything right now, but um, the offseason or even in the draft, I'd maybe look at players that can actually punt and kick return because it seemed like every year we think the Packers have a good punt or kick returner. And then we're not quite so sure about that once the season goes on. So maybe prioritize that a little more, like you said, Dusty, in the offseason. I'm not sure if it's really a coaching change because right now looking at the Packers special teams, it's really more of a personnel thing. Um, We see on field goals that they're just horrible um, at guarding that right side. And um, if they find the right guys, they might be able to make it work. So I think it's more of a personnel thing than anything. Our next question is from Robin Erickson. And it is, how do you handle pack tragedies? Um, You mentioned the NFC Championship game in 2014. And last year as an example, for me, it's some selected South Park episodes to make me laugh or chopping wood to release anger. Special teams have given me the energy to set me through winter with a bunch of... um, axe emojis so dusty how do you handle packers tragedies i've i I don't they don't really bother me too much anymore at this point really i i kind of get through them fairly well uh it used to be one of two ways i would watch dread uh i don't know if you've seen dread uh the the carl urban judge dread movie that is just tremendous and it's just it's short and just violent and it's amazing so i would either watch that and then sometimes i would play uh left for dead which is a zombie first person shooter and listen to aggressive tom waits very loudly uh that one worked very well for me uh i think that was in in 2014 that was kind of my drug of choice after that game and it was it was tremendous so big big fan of that but yeah anymore it's um you know it it stings a little you know some are a little more gut punchy than others and i don't know if it's the fact that i've been you know writing about them for nine years and some of the approach that i take afterwards is a little more clinical or just the fact that i'm in my 40s and have two kids and have other things to worry about other than 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 football to kind of affect me that much but i think uh, i think tom waits in, in a first person shooter uh, kind of does the trick 
Interesting. Uh, for me, I guess when I was, I mean, this still applies now, but the only thing I used to do um, before I started writing for Cheesehead TV was just memes, try to laugh through the pain, um, whether it was making fun of the situation and how much it sucked or, you know, sending memes with my friends or in a group chat about something completely unrelated. Um, humor is always a good way for me to recover from a tough situation. But, you know, recently in the past few years, also that. Um, but, you know, writing after the game um, and having to pretty much have something up, you know, within a couple hours after the game. And usually it's, a cup, you know, about 2000 words um, that I'll turn out there pretty quickly after the game. That's pretty therapeutic to especially if it's really a devastating loss or the Packers really sucked for me to just put all my words down right away, type them out and then post them online. Then after that, I kind of get all my feelings out and <laughs> I go, OK, well, that's over with. I, I got to vent to all of you guys on the Internet and then a bunch of you comment back in the Cheesehead TV comments and all argue with each other. Um, so. That's really it. That's how I've at least handled the recent uh, Packers tragedies. Um, it's just writing about it right after the game. Our next question is from Brian Hartstad, and I'll go first on this one. He said, who's the Packers defensive MVP? And then food question, favorite Christmas cookies. So for me, the Packers defensive MVP is Devondre Campbell. Um, shout out to you, Steve. I know you're probably happy I picked an inside linebacker there, but uh, he has just been excellent for the Packers this year. I, probably for four or five weeks in a row, he was the MVP, defensive MVP in my game recap. Sometimes I do two, so he was either the MVP or one of two MVPs. Um, and he's just been awesome. And what a great addition um, to the team. You can tell he's a leader. I know um, a lot of the guys look to him, and um, he is just. I, I don't even have the words because I've been so pleased with that pickup and what he's been able to bring, not just to the team, but to the locker room. So right now he'd be my defensive MVP. My favorite Christmas cookie. So my grandma, um, all throughout my childhood before she passed away, she would make the spritz butter Christmas cookies. Um, and if you Google that, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Um, there are these tiny little cookies in the shape of Christmas trees. And um, she would do the green ones and the red ones. And they were so good. And the best part about them is that they're so small um, that you can have 20 of them and not feel bad about it. Um, but... That was always just a staple around the holidays. She would make them in these huge bins and bring them over to my parents' house. Um, and last year, you know, during COVID, so Christmas was a little bit different. Um, and my mom and I found the recipe. Um, my grandma left a lot of uh, recipes around during the end of her life. And we've been able to replicate some of those recipes and we found them and we did our best um, and they turned out pretty close. So it's nice that we can hopefully do that again this year. But um, if you, you know, Google spritz butter Christmas cookies, like the first thing that comes up is pretty much the recipe. So if you're interested, I definitely recommend and um, super good. You put little sprinkles, tiny little sprinkles on there and amazing. Actually, it's funny. Mine, mine is also spritz. We we have a family tradition in my house. Usually, it's my it's really? my dad and my sister. Uh, you you load them suckers up in a gun and you shoot them out of a gun. Is, yep. is how we make them. They, they, it's it's amazing. They do like almond and chocolate, and there's there's a, I think vanilla. So three different kinds, and legitimately, we'll put them in like five gallon buckets, and we'll have like three five gallon buckets because they will make a ton of these things. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's a tradition going back a very long time, and I I 
I love them more than is healthy. Uh, but yeah, that's that's absolutely mine as well. Is, is spritz? Um, we don't dress them up or anything, Sarah. No sprinkles. We just just straight eat them as they come out of the gun, man. Um, and my my Packers defensive MVP. I'm going to go Darnell Savage. Uh, you know, he hasn't made a ton of flash plays, really. But, uh, you know, I've long been enamored with with kind of the safety position and especially in this defense, how the safeties were going to play in this defense that just you can just see him the way he's flying around, the way that that kind of back end is structured, how he reads and reacts like it's, he's just been tremendous. Like even when he's not showing up in the game, even, you know, he's he's had those games where he's kind of down in that robber role and he's hitting guys. But he had a number of plays in this Chiefs game that didn't really show up where he's, you know, jumped a route and the ball didn't end up going there. But if it did, it was going to be a pick because it was a route that he that he knew when he saw and it was the pressure was coming in so there really wasn't a whole lot of risk there and kind of flying down on on the Rashawn Gary sack he kind of flew down and took away the the in-breaking route of Kelsey um, from from kind of a deep thing so the the speed he has that he can close on and just his recognition is getting better uh, you know I, I he's still not perfect by any stretch of the imagination but I think what what he can do uh, with his, his his athleticism and kind of what that allows the defense to do and what they can cover up uh, has just been just amazing to watch uh, kind of week in week out from him. So I'm, I'm going to go go Savage just because he when you, when when you watch that defense, man, he he really jumps out. He really pops. Our last question is from Frickenstein, <laughs> and they asked who played worse in their first game at quarterback this season, Aaron Rodgers versus the Saints or Jordan Love versus the Chiefs? And Frickenstein, well, statistically speaking, it was Aaron Rodgers versus the New Orleans Saints. I mean, if he could have thrown the ball in the dirt and it, he would have had the same stats. So, um, you know, it has to be Jordan Love or – it has to be Aaron Rodgers. He played worse than Jordan Love did. I um, mean, you know, Jordan Love at least threw a touchdown pass. Aaron Rodgers did not. Um, I think Aaron Rodgers was sacked a few times that game. Jordan Love, I'm pretty sure, was only sacked once. So if we're strictly going on the stats, it would be Aaron Rodgers. Listen, man, you you can't you actually cannot argue with facts, and that's absolutely true. Also, Love came into that Saints game. I know it's the end, and blah 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 blah. But he went five for seven for sixty-eight yards, and in, in that game, like in that in that uh, that opening Saints game. So, yeah, I'll go. Uh, you know, certainly not saying Love is better than Rogers yet. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, that that Rogers game was just just nightmarish from from start to end. <laughs> yep, and I was there to witness it in person in all its sweet glory. Sure. Uh, so that'll do it for this week's episode. Dusty, do you have any final thoughts for us? Yeah, kind of my my normal stuff, uh, writing. So yesterday I wrote something on the uh, Rashawn Gary sack that's up over on Packer Report. Uh, today at Packer Report, we've got one of my favorite concepts, the all-go halfback seam that uh, went to – it was actually – it was one of those where I was like, oh, they, they got a positive play out of it because Devontae Adams got a defensive pass interference on kind of that backside slant. But they actually had a chance. Man, Aaron Jones, they had single high safety. The safety was looking away from it. Aaron Jones was clear on that seam. If, if Jordan Love had looked over there and let that sucker fly, I understand why he didn't. We've let that sucker fly. Like, it would have been a big play. So not necessarily a missed read, but, uh, but I love that concept. And so uh, I'll be talking about that at Packer Report today. And then she said, I'm kind of going through, you know, again, what I always do. Some uh, talking about some passing concepts. I think um, I don't know how deep I'm going to get into it. I, I unfortunately have not had a chance to write it yet. So I'm going to blitz through that tonight or tomorrow. Um, but just uh, some of the some of the routes, some of the concepts that they had him working off was kind of a they repeated a lot of the same stuff. They made some some kind of easy reads, some high low reads where it's 
if this, throw this, if not this, then throw this. So kind of some, some fairly easy decisions for him that threw out there, kind of, kind of helping him out a little bit. They did not help him out with protection or moving the pocket, but some of the concepts and stuff, I thought that was kind of interesting. That was a theme that kind of popped out. So kind of looking at that as well as maybe some of the over-reliance on, on Devonte Adams that I kind of referenced earlier. Um, not, you know, not, not a normal week, uh, just cause it was not Aaron Rodgers. It was love. And, and you kind of take, kind of took a different approach this week, but, uh, still an interesting week overall. So I'm excited about it. What about you? So for me, this is the next couple weeks are a bit weird. Um, I'm working a huge event for work next week, so I'm pretty much going to be out of pocket. Probably won't be on the podcast next week, which makes me sad. Um, and there is a about a 50-50 chance that I won't, I'll have to report early on Sunday and I might not be able to watch the game, which would be a bummer, but Dusty is the real MVP. And if that's the case, he's going to step in and cover the game recap for me. So, um, if that happens, you know, I've, I've already told you in private, but publicly Dusty, thank you in advance for that. Um, and you know, I'll keep everybody updated. I should know in a few days, um, what's happening there and you know, I'll tweet it out and, Uh, make sure everybody's up to date about it. But um, I guess my final thought is just stay tuned. We'll see if I have um, some upcoming content um, this weekend and, um, you know, I'll miss everybody next week, but then I'll be back the following week and much um, probably well rested after that and a little bit less stressed out and um, it'll be good. And then we're pretty much into the holiday season after that. So um, it's an exciting time and, grateful as always um for your guys support you know if, if you like listening to us make sure to give us a five-star review um and just let us know what you thought of the show if you have any ideas recommendations we're all ears so our dms are open and um you know steve will be back next week so him and dusty he and dusty will be holding down the fort and they will talk to you then so um as always you can follow us on twitter at packaday podcast at dusty evely at steve perhatch at sarah kelleher four and Dusty and Steve, we'll see you next week. Go Pack Go! Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.